When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Manikoots, created by Offscript. So it's quite a big morning today because I am, after a two and a half month pause, I am restarting the drugs, restarting the treatment. I've got a box of the Cineral nasal spray in my hands. Um, you have to spray, basically sniff in each nostril every 12 hours for about a week before I then get my period and then have to go back to hospital to have a scan and pick up the more scary injection drugs. So... Okay. Okay, so one. Oh. Two. Oh. <laughs> Don't know how I did that. It really hurt. Okay, I'm gonna lie back on my bed. Oh. And wait for it to trickle down my throat. It's quite grim. I remember the sort of chemicaliness dripping down the back of your throat a bit like if anyone's ever taken first defence when they're about to get a cold. Oh, what have I done to my nose? That killed it. The spray sort of slipped. <laughs> Punched myself in the face. A really good start. Hello, I'm Sophia Money Coots. I'm 35, single, and I'm freezing my eggs. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women from around the world. If you're just joining us now, I'm honestly not saying this to boost the numbers, but I'd recommend going back and listening from episode one, as I think it provides useful background to the process and to my decision. In that episode, I talked to the very lovely Zeta West about fertility tests and how I decided freezing was the right thing for me. In this episode, I want to explain why I decided to make a podcast about egg freezing and make a big song and dance about it. And to answer that, we're going to discuss stigma. But first, you just heard me sniffing my first dose of nasal spray at the start of June after clinics had reopened post-lockdown, and I'm delighted to say that's the only time I punch myself in the face. To understand what that spray was actually doing, I had a chat with Dr James Nicopoulos, consultant gynaecologist and clinical director of the Lister Fertility Clinic, which is the hospital I eventually chose to freeze my eggs. The most important thing you have to do is over a course of approximately two weeks, so the same two weeks it takes for a natural egg to grow, um, you will be taking a daily injection. And that injection is FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone. It's the same hormone you produce naturally to make your natural eggs grow, but at high doses. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to just one of the cluster that you normally have there growing, trying to make as many of the cluster grow as possible. Now, if we just give you that injection to make the eggs grow, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the brain is geared up that it'll realize these eggs are growing and it will make you release the hormone that you normally release, LH, to make you ovulate. Now, we don't want you to ovulate and release their eggs. We want to collect them before you release them. So that's where that the second medication comes in. And sometimes that medication is a nasal spray. Sometimes that medication is an injectable. And the, the role of that is to stop your brain telling your ovaries to ovulate. 
Right, okay, so it's saying hold on to them. What dictates whether you do nasal spray or injection? The nasal spray we use, there's also an injectable version, so we're just a little bit nicer and give you, and give people the nasal spray. So the injectable version you have to use uh, always with an antagonist or a short protocol. And classically, that protocol is used uh, in women who have got a really high risk of ovarian hyperstimulation. What does the protocol mean? Sorry, is that equivalent to sort of program, whatever your Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so yeah, so protocol is, is this a combination of drugs you're using. So the classic long protocol is nasal spray, then injections to make the eggs grow. Which is what I'm doing. Absolutely. Or an antagonist or a short protocol is you start the injections to make the eggs grow. And then you start a second injection to switch the system off. Oh, handsome Dr. James. I'm going to drag him back in throughout the series to explain some more of the science behind egg freezing in that calm and collected voice of his. I'm not saying I purely picked the lister because I developed a teeny tiny crush on Dr. James, but it was definitely a contributing factor. Anyway, enough of that. While he takes care of the technical side, I want to go a bit more into the social aspect of egg freezing. So I mentioned in the last episode that I first visited the Lister's Fertility Clinic long before I decided on egg freezing myself. I first went to take a friend of mine there for her own egg freezing operation. And one detail I didn't mention, but which I told producer Hannah about, was why I was the one taking her there in the first place. Essentially, she hadn't told anyone else that she was doing it. I think she felt a bit embarrassed or ashamed maybe that she was doing this. I had conflicting emotions about it. I was so proud of her for doing it and I felt quite sad in a way as well that here was this brilliantly successful 34-year-old woman, one of my most brilliant friends, who was doing this very proactive thing, very sensible thing of having her eggs frozen and yet she didn't feel like she could be very public about it and that was the first indication I think to me that it was something that women felt very embarrassed or ashamed about. Yeah, and that's, I remember you saying that was kind of what prompted you to start writing about it. Yeah, it sort of still amazes me every time I write about it and I get the messages, the DMs, the emails from grateful women. It's almost like if they could whisper in these messages and these emails, they would. They'd be like, hey just to let you know, I've had it done too. And like solidarity or like, oh, I'm thinking about having it done. And that really spurs me on. So I do think there just remains this whole cloud and cloak of secrecy about the whole thing, which makes women who are considering it feel even worse. They already potentially feel a bit sad that they're single and they don't know what to do. And they're increasingly freaked out about Daily Mail headlines about their fertility and the biological clock and all of that. And then on top of that, when they look to this thing that they could do, egg freezing, they then feel sort of embarrassed and ashamed because it's it's sort of seen as such a sort of stark clinical thing to do. And yeah, I think it's this sort of layer upon layer of, of shame about it, which just doesn't or shouldn't be there, really. And have you felt that? Yeah, there's been the odd moment. I've had to definitely sort of steel myself to be upfront about it. There was this... <laughs> I went to... Cirque du Soleil a few months ago before lockdown with some family friends and there was a woman there she was sort of like my mum's age she was sort of in her 60s I guess and I hadn't met her before I was introduced to her and she sort of obviously looked at me and thought okay here's a woman in her 30s probably looked at my hand no ring and she goes so are you you know seeing any nice chap at the moment and that is my worst question ever why should that be <laughs> the first question that you would ask like a woman or anybody, frankly, like about their relationship status. It's such a weird thing to instantly ask anyone. And I've now developed this 
reply where I go, no, actually, to any of those questions, I always go, no, actually, because I'm having my eggs frozen at the moment and I've developed this hideous habit. I sort of wave at my, I gesticulate at my ovaries when I'm saying it (laughs) as if they need help with working out where female eggs are. I don't really want to embarrass them, but I also do want to be upfront about it because the whole point of doing this is that we talk about it more. And I don't, I don't want to sound like I've got some sort of saviour complex at all because I don't, but I just do feel (laughs) really strongly about it that it's a, it's, it's a really good thing to do given the scientific advances and if it helps women out and if it gives women anything that gives women more of a choice has got to be a good thing, I think, these days. Someone else who's been discussing egg freezing in public recently is Love Island star Amy Hart. Which one's that? I hear you say. She's the cheerful blonde former air steward who was very brutally dumped by that love rat Curtis Pritchard. That was back in the summer of 2019 and over a year on, Amy is still single. I have dated a lot of rotters and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want to have children. Amy was one of the first people I thought of when I decided to make this podcast because she's talked very openly about egg freezing. A few months after leaving Love Island, she went on the talk show Loose Women and told them about having a fertility test, having discovered the women on her mum's side of the family had gone through menopause in their early 40s, which is younger than most other women. And by the way, that's something that Zeta West mentioned in episode one, that if you can, you should check what age your mother went through menopause because it tends to be a good indication of when you might too. And then I had my fertility MOT as well, which um, I don't think I ever actually expected him to say, yeah, no, you, you, you do need to freeze them. And that's obviously what happened. Okay. Like, so I went in, I had my blood test the two weeks before, then went in and they sort of looked around and he said, yeah, lots of eggs on that side, lots of eggs on that side. Mm. And it's really interesting because I thought you get rid of one egg every month. Yeah, I think so. a lot of people do, yeah. And I didn't realise that obviously you get rid of like 20 eggs every month and then one, you ovulate. And we're born with like yeah, billions exactly. or millions actually, I should say. I was yeah. like Googling like, how many eggs you're born with, trying to work out how many you're going to lose a year and stuff. <laughs> and you were how old? Was this recently? Were you 27 when you had your fertility Yeah, this, this was literally like four or five months ago. So he said, yep, yeah, eggs are good on that side, eggs are good on that side. Went and sat back down at the desk and he was like, your AMH level is quite low. Okay, um, for your age. Yeah, for your age, mm. but it fits in with your family history. Um, so yeah, if you, I wouldn't, it's not urgent, urgent, but I would definitely say in the next three years. When you had that, were you worried about the results at all? No, because I don't think I thought it was actually going to say anything. I thought it was going to be fine, because you always do. So then when it wasn't, like, I planned to meet up with my friends that night, because I was staying in a hotel in London, because mm. work the next day. And I got back to the hotel and I was like, I don't want to go out. I just got like a takeaway and stayed at the hotel and watched telly. And just thought about it. Yeah. And I was a bit like, oh, okay, this is, okay, this is actually like real. Okay, cool. But do you feel the pressure more, because you know about your mum and your aunts and your nan, do you feel the pressure more about kids or has making the decision to have egg freezing sort of relaxed you a bit? Because it definitely has with me. Yeah, I mean, it has relaxed me, but I know that it's it's not... Um, it's not obviously like a guarantee either. Right. Um, no insurance. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what the future holds and stuff. But I just think having options is really good. Yeah. Which is exactly what egg freezing does. That's why, you know, I think yeah. it's a great exactly. thing to do. Have you ever felt, it's interesting to me that you've like publicly talked about it and I really admire it. Why did you decide to be so public about it? I didn't really realise how much it needed to be talked about until I talked about it. I'm an open book, like, do you know what I mean? I've, I've been on telly. Um, yeah. you, you can't really get much more of an open book than being on, like, 24-hour surveillance TV shows. <laughs> um, and I got so many messages from people 
saying, I wish I'd done it. Really? Like, please, please do it. I wish I'd done it. I did it. It's the best thing ever. So you never felt any sense of sort of, you know, stigma then about you just were very open and just decided this was a good thing to do for other women? Yeah, I mean, a couple, when I was talking about it on Loose Women, you know, a couple of them said, you know, oh, no, you know, like, you don't understand how hard it is to be a mum. And I think as well, like I've I've got I've got friends who have got husbands and boyfriends who are shocking dads, and I'm like, yeah. just because they're there doesn't mean they're actually serving any purpose. Right, and actually, it might be easier by yourself. I think in certain cases, if I look at yeah. you know, yeah, relationships around me. I'm just going to jump in here to say a lot of people seem to conflate having your eggs frozen with becoming a single mum, which isn't necessarily the case. I might have a baby by myself using donor sperm down the line, but equally, Mr. Perfect or Mr. Nearly Perfect might wander into my life in the next few years and I could have a baby with him naturally or using those eggs. I'm not writing myself off at all. Like, I'm, mm. I'm still open to meeting someone. Yeah. What I'm saying is if that doesn't happen for me, I'm not going to let that not let me have a child. For Amy, a big reason behind her not having kids now, aside from not having met someone who wasn't a rotter like love rat Curtis Pritchard, was her career. Like many women, she wanted time to do her own thing, and before going on Love Island, she travelled the world for eight years as a member of cabin crew for British Airways. I totally sympathise with this because I love my life and career right now, even though lots of my friends have already had kids. Did you ever feel like you were being, or you'd been left behind on the baby front? No, because... Like, I think I've had some friends maybe try to feel rubbish for a, for a couple of years. Like, even when we were re- when we were really, really young, about, like, you know, when are you going to sort yourself out? When are you going to have kids? And I'm like, and I think if I'd had a baby at 22, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, see the world, and I wanted to do something out there, and, like, then Love Island came along and stuff, and I think I wouldn't have been able to do any of that. And I think it's what's right for someone isn't right for everyone, and so I don't feel like I've been left behind at all. I feel like... I'm really lucky. I am everyone's favourite auntie. And I think it was... I was going to the um, the egg freezing clinic on the Monday and we'd gone to McDonald's mm. on the Sunday with all the kids. And my friends were like, are you sure you want to go tomorrow? Like, as, like, the baby's puking up everywhere, the other two are fighting, the other one's chucking milkshake all over the floor. She's like, you, are you sure you actually want to go tomorrow? Like, literally, this, this is... You don't want to do that. This is what you've got to look forward to. I love Amy and I love how honest and frank she is about, well, everything really. Plenty of other women, perhaps the majority, find it harder to talk about freezing. And I think it's important to acknowledge that factors like your background or religion can play a big part in how openly you talk about it. My mom was really, really shocked. I could see tears in her eyes and she was like, this is so weird. I've never heard about it. And wasn't it easier to get married? And she told me, please never tell anyone about it even your aunts which are very close to me she told me even your best friends don't tell anyone please it's so shame that people would know in 2017 Reema Hana became one of the first single women in Egypt to get her eggs frozen when and why did you start thinking about that what were the circumstances that led you to that decision Well, it started a very long time ago. Just it started in 2001. I was so young at that time. I was 20 Mm -hmm. and I was still in college. 
I read an article on the BBC about egg freezing. It's a new thing that's uh, taking mm. place. And it was the first British child was born. That's why they were announcing it. Right. And I thought, well, just this is very interesting. It will be a good opportunity for me in the future. If I came to the age of 35 without getting married, then I will do it. That was mainly because I wanted so much to postpone marriage till after I turned 30. I found out that if I really want to make my marriage work, mm-hmm. I have to first start to understand the psychology of human beings, to know who I am and one, uh, what I really think of and just my personality mm-hmm. so I can know my needs and then determine what do I want from my partner. Okay. Mainly, I decided to postpone marriage because first, I wanted to build my career. So far, Reem's story is pretty similar to mine. Quite career-focused, wanted to enjoy her life, and didn't want to settle down with some terrible boyfriend who wasn't right for her. But the stigma she faced in Egypt is radically different from what I've experienced. When you got closer to 35... Did you then start making sort of more serious investigations into egg freezing in Egypt? Yes, yes. And how easy was that? It wasn't so easy because I never heard anyone talking about it (laughs) in Egypt. So I didn't know where to start from and uh, who's better and who's not better or just it wasn't easy for me. Mm. I didn't talk to uh, many people about it because I know just everyone would be like, no, 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 just don't do stupid thing, you know. <laughs> Why you, you think about weird yeah. stuff? <laughs> just can't you uh, just get married and get it done? So you were aware that it would be controversial if you mentioned anything? Yes, yes. It's not only about being controversial. Most of the people tell me, no, just don't do it. And I didn't want any, any pressure from anyone because I've already made my mind. So eventually you found you found your doctor. Was he nervous or did he about doing it? Did he, you know, not want to do it at first? How did you persuade him? Well, just he was just surprised that I'm unmarried and thinking about it. And he, he was just he, he's wondering how come you you knew about it? Why did it come to your mind? Usually when we talk about such things, it's only for married women who come with challenges in conceiving. So the doctor was surprised that you came to him and asked to to do this. What's the legality? So it's not illegal for single women to have egg freezing in Egypt. No, it's not illegal. Right. It's just the social constructs make it that much harder. Because first, it's something very new to to the society. They've Mm -hmm. never heard about it. Second, usually women who haven't got married before are not supposed to talk about reproductive system. They're not supposed to talk about reproduction in general or Mm -hmm. anything related to after marriage things. You know, it's like a taboo. Okay, I totally, I get that. Okay, so you decided that despite all this, despite the taboo, you wanted to go ahead with it and you you persuaded the doctor to do it then, right? He, He agreed? He tried not to pull me off. He tried to make me doing it through uh, the vagina because it's the common pr- uh, procedure. But I wanted to make an, ab- mm-hmm. an abdominal surgery because I'm unmarried, so I'm virgin. 
and and the Arab word okay. is important to to be virgin, and the virginity thing is so sensitive. So I I know just for my family and for myself too, I felt it's more comfortable to do it from the abdomen. Okay. But at this, because at this point you still hadn't told your family you were even thinking about the operation, right? It was still a sort of secret. No, from I told my family after the operation. Reem had her eggs collected with a needle through her abdomen, which is pretty unusual. They're more often collected with a needle through the vaginal wall. This is not a wall I'd ever thought much about until it came to egg freezing. Don't panic. Usually you're knocked out, sedated, or under general anaesthetic for the process. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Having discussed this with Amy, I wanted to ask Reem about how she might use her eggs and the single mother question. So they're in the freezer now, and I don't know whether you're going to wait and potentially hope that, you know, Mr. Wright a brilliant husband wanders along at some point or would you ever consider single motherhood? No, I'm just waiting for the right person to appear because for me, motherhood is not the goal in itself. Mm -hmm. For me, just marrying the right person or just having a happy marriage is my goal. Then Mm -hmm. I want to have a kid from the man I love. So single motherhood, I imagine in Egypt, might also be a step much further you know another big controversial step do you think uh actually it's sinful sinful means that many many people will not want to do it many but not everyone of course but just someone like me Mm. i I don't want to do something sinful because i i'm practicing muslim second the government will never allow it Yes, so you couldn't you couldn't find say a sperm donor in Cairo and do that by no, yourself. And the baby won't okay. be registered under my name or I won't be his mother. Of everything Reem told me, this was almost the most eye-opening part. And it underlines how incredibly different attitudes are towards egg freezing and single parenthood in other parts of the world. A couple of years after she'd had her eggs frozen, last autumn, Reem decided to go public and put up a Facebook post revealing what she'd had done which was considered shocking for such a conservative Islamic country. And it ended up going viral, and I think even ended up being discussed in the Egyptian parliament. Why did you feel so strongly that you had to make this public? I knew that I will do this very, very beginning. I was determined that I will make an awareness, because it's actually, mm-hmm. without it, many women's lives just are screwed up. <laughs> because right now in Egypt... The age for marriage for women is going just up because just people are refraining from getting married for 
for many, many different reasons. It's social, it's economic, mm -hmm. and so. So many of them actually, they lose their chance to have kids or even get married because people think, oh, now they're old, they can't really give me a baby, so I shouldn't marry her. Right, okay, so you wanted to make this post public to encourage women to more women to freeze their eggs yes. and and realize there were other options yes especially that a very big number of women when they come to the age that the society consider too old to be unmarried or to stay unmarried they give mm -hmm. in and i don't blame them for that but they give into the pressure of the society because actually the pressure of the society is terrible so they're like, they have to get married because they have to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And when they get married just for the sake of marriage or for the sake of having a kid, you, usually it results in it's either a divorce or just a very sad life. Unhappy marriage, yeah. Did you expect your post to go, your Facebook video to go so viral? Were you proud of that? Did you feel any sense of um, sort of embarrassment or shame? No, I was so happy when it reached all these people. I was so, so happy and proud of myself. And I felt, oh, my God, I should, I should have done that earlier to, huh. to, to make people aware of it. Especially when some messages came to me and like women were like, oh, this is so good of you. You told us we never heard about it and we'll definitely do it. I was, oh my God, so I'm just saving someone from having a problem like this. Or maybe I'm saving yeah. I'm saving her from a bad marriage or I'm saving her from just being alone her entire life or from not being a mom. That was very beautiful. But of course, I received tens of thousands of messages and of Calls, even calls people uh, got my number from some apps and uh, people just commented on the news on Facebook just they were insulting me and swearing at me. and so I was expecting that this would yeah. be will be the reaction yeah. anyway what made me just feel sad for that is that I didn't want my my family to be hurt because for me, it's okay. I right, can take okay. that because I actually don't care about what society says about me. But when it comes to my family, it hurts so much. Mm, mm. What I've noticed, why many men were so against it, mm -hmm. or what I got from uh, their, uh, their comments was that they felt you're empowering women so much. Huh. And they didn't like that. Yes. It was like when we propose to women, they have to say yes. So just many men were like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Women should right. marry whoever proposes. Or you're. <laughs> it, they were like, so now you're asking women to say no? I'm not mm -hmm. asking anyone. I'm just letting them, giving them the chance to choose comfortably not under pressure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to pick the right person. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I, I'm very in awe. I think what you've done is a very brave thing. Do you feel brave? After I got the feedback from people and they told me that I'm brave, then I felt brave. <laughs> <laughs> and they're okay, like, good. oh, you're so strong. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> was it really a big thing? Oh, now I'm strong. <laughs>
I was kind of in awe of Reem and how fiercely she fought not only to get it done, but also to speak out and encourage other women to consider it. But for all my enthusiasm about egg freezing and how great it is, it is an industry that has its problems. And one of the issues is that it seems to be aimed at a very specific type of woman. Probably white, probably middle class, probably professional. Basically, just like me. It's just hard being a black single woman and having to deal with, you know, fertility. I didn't know anyone who looked like me who went through this process. Mm. And all the literature was filled with like this kind of smiling, skinny white ladies. And it just (laughs) didn't feel like it was something that someone like me would do. This is Renique Allen Lanfair, a writer based in the US. She's talking to me from her super trendy New York apartment whitewashed walls and exposed pipes with the morning sun streaming in through the windows. And as she eats breakfast, Reniqua, who's now 39, tells me that she began to consider freezing her eggs at around the same age I did. Yeah, so I started thinking about egg freezing. I was probably 34, about to turn 35. And I heard about what happens to your eggs once you turn 35. And I was super single. Like, (laughs) didn't have anyone. That's me. <laughs> it, just, it didn't feel like it was closed. It was happening. And I wanted very much to have kids. So I was like, hmm, you know, mm-hmm. what can we do about this? And I, I hadn't honestly heard much. I did not know anyone who'd gone through the process of egg freezing. Mm-hmm. I just kind of heard some rumblings about it. You know, back then they were kind of doing like cocktail parties. Oh, yes. Egg Egg freezing parties. Yeah. And like, I think I wanted to feel like empowered. Like, I I don't know. I feel like there's this whole thing around fertility where in all other aspects of my life, I felt like this kind of quote unquote, like, you know, empowered woman. Um, Mm. And in this one area, I just did not. I felt like life was just happening to me and I I didn't have any control over it and I'm like a type A person and so for me that was just incredibly upsetting and Mm. I felt like I think egg freezing was a way to at least get some kind of control over Mm -hmm. this big thing that I had no control over. Renique mentioned egg freezing parties there. I'll actually be discussing those later in the series so listen out for that. For Renique It wasn't simply the fact that she didn't see people who looked like her in the clinic brochures that put her off. There were also stereotypes and taboos that held her back. I think there is this idea that's particularly prevalent in in Black communities, and I'm hoping that's changing. Um, It's like, that's not something we do as a community. Like, you know, we are able to have babies, right? And particularly in the United States, there is a whole stereotype of Black women being hyper-fertile and being hypersexual and not necessarily having issues around producing kids. If anything, the stereotype is that we have too many kids, right? Like, um... And so this idea of like, you know, needing to preserve fertility or it's one, it's not talked about in in the black community, I think. Egg freezing Um, or fertility as a whole? Egg freezing, fertility in general. Like, right. It's like this thing where you're supposed to be able to just Just do it. Yep. (laughs) And it's like, no, no thing. Um, But particularly, I think egg freezing. Is it almost sort of taboo? 
I think it is. I think that's changing. I, I, I mean, I think even from five years from now, yeah, you know, I think there are a lot more women of color talking about their struggles with fertility mm-hmm. in general. But I think that this idea that Black women's fertility is something that needs to be preserved is not something that is seen in, in the United States. I would venture to say probably throughout the world, right? The gold standard of having kids are, are, are white people. Um, white children are valued. Black children are not valued in this society. And I think preserving that kind of life is not necessarily seen as valuable. Hearing this is depressing and sad in so many ways. It's sort of medieval, really. And yet here we are listening to a woman say she feels like this in 2020. And although Renique was from America, I suspect a lot of it would be applicable in the UK too. Her situation was also complicated by the fact that she suffered from fibroids and endometriosis, which can affect fertility. She says she's always had a difficult relationship with her reproductive system, which I can very much relate to. But when I started to look into egg freezing, a couple of friends had already been through it. It was a very different situation for Aniqua. Did you talk about it to any like your black female friends? Yeah, I did. And nobody quite got it. You know, like, I, I think people didn't see the urgency. I mean, I'm an anxious person kind of by nature. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like people thought it was just like anxiety. And it's like, oh, when you want to have kids, you'll be able to have kids. What's the big deal? I think there is a stigma attached to it. I think people see this a little bit unnatural. But I think generally people just didn't know enough about it. You know, mm. I didn't know what to do. I think that was like the true answer. I didn't, mm. I had no idea. There was no one to help me. You know, my mom was like another person in the camp of like, when you want to have a kid, like you have a kid, like, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, did you talk to her about freezing? I did. And it was so foreign to her. And I think she just couldn't get like why that was necessary. Uh-huh. And I guess maybe that was some comfort in some ways that like, she was like, oh, you know, don't be scared. Women have kids like at all ages. Yeah. Um, none of my doctors mentioned egg freezing, you know. When you were seeing them, when, what, this is back then. Yeah, back then when I was, you know, having treatment for fibroids, being very conscious about fibroids and endo. I think the one person that might have mentioned it was a Black woman doctor who just said, I may want to think about it. Okay. And it felt like no one else, like, you know, thought my fertility was worth preserving. And I think the industry is just not necessarily encouraging. I think the world and society is not necessarily encouraging of Black women being single. And for me, I think that was a real moment of frustration that I saw what it felt like were all these kind of signs for white women, like if they wanted to have kids on their own if they wanted to be non-traditional and and, and raise families in different ways, that was seen as empowering. Mm -hmm. That was seen as like this feminist, you know, position. I don't think that those ideas have been afforded to Black women. Like if Black women choose to have children as a single woman, which, you know, is what my mom did, Mm. that was not seen as, you know, empowering. You're a baby mama, you're ghetto. Right. Um, Stigmatized again. You're stigmatized again. And that was, you know, that was, that was frustrating. And it, it raised a lot of complicated questions for me. You know, I didn't see it freezing as empowering. And I think that's a little bit how the industry heads it. 
It makes me sad, but I do totally get it when a woman says she doesn't see egg freezing as an empowering choice. It doesn't necessarily always feel that empowering, I have to admit. More like something you've decided to do, to shell out for, to put your body through, because you're panicked that you should do it and there's no other choice. Occasionally, this has made me worry that, as a white middle-class woman with savings in the bank, I've simply been persuaded that this medical procedure is the thing for me because of clever marketing. So many companies have jumped on the feminism bandwagon, flogging everything from soap to sani pads, that it's actually been given a name. Femvertising. And yeah, sometimes I have worried that I've fallen for a bit of clever hashtag femvertising by opting for a relatively new medical procedure and have drunk the Kool-Aid so hard that I'm now even making a podcast about it, singing its praises. It's like they've tricked me. But whenever that doubt strikes, I remind myself that I've researched it and read into it and do genuinely believe that it's an empowering decision which gives women more choice. And I stand with those who call egg freezing the second wave of emancipation after the invention of the pill. That's how freeing they consider it to be. Unfortunately, of course, it still remains horrendously pricey, which makes it inaccessible to many women. And as far as I can understand the US healthcare system, and who does, it can be pretty tricky to get egg freezing paid for by insurance unless you work for one of those huge tech giants. So the majority of treatment is done privately. I think someone told me that in, in the States, one round is about $15,000. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. That's about where it was. Reniqua was still contemplating the pros and cons of freezing in 2016 when she wrote a brilliant and illuminating article for the New York Times, headlined, Is Egg Freezing Only for White Women? And then something unexpected happened. So in the end, uh, as I was writing this article, trying to figure out my feelings on egg freezing, and like I kind of do with so many things sometimes, like writing helps me work my feelings out. Mm -hmm. Um, I was writing this piece for the New York Times about how lonely it was as a Black woman to be single, to think about fertility, and to think about this, you know, egg freezing process. And I went on a date, and uh, I started dating uh, this guy who was great, and turns out we're married now. Um, (laughs) And five years later, um, so before before the article actually even came out, we were dating, he saw the piece. He saw the piece. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like it hit in a, in a different way. Um, so, um, so you didn't have eggs frozen in the end, right? You chose not to. But I'm not sure if that was the right thing because right now we're having fertility problems and I kind of got like blinded by love and forgot that like, oh, wait, you're still like 35 and this still could be a problem. But I ultimately didn't go through it because... I think there was part of me that wanted this like traditional way of, you know, you fall in love, you get married, you make a baby and that's how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, Without like medical technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I don't even think I thought about it until now, but it was something that I just said, Oh, you know, like things, I think like, you know, by the time it was like six months in, I was like, you know, things are going well with this guy. Like, why would I be concerned mm. in, in retrospect that like I should have gotten it done then? Like my eggs at 35 obviously were were probably in much better shape than they, you know, are now with more endometriosis and more fibroids. I don't know. But anyway, ultimately I didn't go through with it. Um mm. and now I am like trying to play catch up and like, you know, now I'm going through IVF and like 
Okay. How's that, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so that failed. Um, oh, so sorry. The IVF totally failed. Um, I had the first round like a month ago or so with my, you know, now husband, mm-hmm. um, which essentially we went through the process of, you know, egg freezing and hormone stimulation. We had egg retrieval. I did have like 17 eggs, so I thought like it would Whoa, be. Oh, great. Look, yeah, but they were all bad. Like, I mean, they weren't all bad. They like fertilized, but like in the end, like they just were like bad quality eggs. So okay. after that, I ended up doing this surgery to remove all the endometriosis, remove all the fibroids. Wow. Um, and then so we have to go through another round of IVF and maybe yeah. another round of IVF. And so the whole thing is like, maybe this whole process would have been different if I had frozen my eggs because like, they would have been younger eggs. They would have been, you know, maybe in better shape. But it's such a difficult game of what if, isn't it? Do you yeah. think, had there been more support for black women in the arena of egg freezing, do you think that would have helped? Would you have felt more encouraged to do it? Yeah. If their stigma was taken away, mm-hmm. if people talked about it, I think I would have probably jumped into it mm-hmm. more. Like if someone said, you are a woman of a certain age with fibroids, you are single, you're not married yet. I wasn't close to being married. You have endometriosis and you should just really do it. Like, you know, I think Mm. it was a gamble I took. Talking to Raniqua and Reem has given me renewed appreciation for how lucky Amy and I are to be able to approach egg freezing with so much less stigma. Which isn't to say that there is none. Of course there's stigma. That's why I'm making this whole podcast. But to me, it feels surmountable. Whereas ultimately, that stigma stopped Reniqua from having it done. It's not necessarily the case that had she gone through it at 35, she wouldn't be having fertility issues now. But it's the what if that scares me. And just for balance, in case this starts to sound like freezing propaganda paid for by Big Egg, I should point out that later in the series, I talked to women who had their eggs frozen and sadly didn't end up with a baby from it. As fertility expert Zeta West said in the last episode, There really are no guarantees when it comes to this process. You have to go into it understanding that. Meanwhile, back in London, I was getting stuck into stage one of my treatment and persevering with my nasal spray. I'm glad to report that after a week, I was getting much better at it. So it's day seven of me taking my nasal spray. It is a Friday night. Uh, I'm going to stop watching Tony Soprano snort cocaine in the Sopranos to snort my nasal spray because that is how I roll on Friday nights now. So here goes. Hang on. And the other one. I have to lie back. Oh. Oh, but I haven't made my cup of tea. I've started making a cup of tea every time I do this because... It gets rid of the disgusting chemical taste that trickles down the back of my throat. But I haven't, and I'm upstairs in my dressing gown, so I'm not sure I can be bothered. I might just have to drink some bathroom tap water instead. Rock and roll. (laughs) In the next episode, my nasal spray technique continues to improve, and I bore my family senseless as I wait for the most important period of my life to arrive. I also talked to two women who made big and controversial choices around parenthood. 
and it makes me wonder about the alternative paths I could be taking. She said, OK, so there's another coil you can try. And I was like, please, can we just tie my tubes? You know, rushing secretly off to the bathroom, putting a hole in the condom. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Money Coots and created by Offscript. 